0: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Graham. If I haven't met you before, um, it's good for us to be together and to be able to hear uh, God's word and to worship Him. You may have noticed that we haven't had the Bible reading yet. Uh, we'll be in John 21 today, and we'll be reading it um, or hearing it read in a few moments. So today's episode four in a short series of messages on the way of Jesus. Uh, so let's do a re- quick recap. What have we seen and heard so far? So, Jesus gives us this series of invitations to live. And the first one is a life of worship. We were invited in John 1 uh, to come and see the glory of Jesus. And then a life of discipleship uh, to come and learn the way of the Master, a life of abiding fellowship to come and stay in the presence of the Lord, and today a life of abiding partnership, to go and serve in the peace and power of the Lord. Uh, Each week we've been aiming to have a challenge to respond to these invitations, so I thought I'd just challenge you, how are you going responding? Uh, to come and see how did you go memorising John 1 to, um, verses 1 to 18 and marinating in these wonderful truths. Come and learn um, how are you going approaching everyday life as a whole of life apprenticeship to Jesus. And a couple of weeks ago, come and stay. Have you had an opportunity to take a half day and spend it with the Lord? Now, one of our sisters here um, looked at her calendar over the next month and thought, I don't know genuinely how I'm going to clear half a day to give the Lord that priority and spend time with him. So she prayed to the Lord and said, I don't know how this is going to happen. And then within two days, a Tuesday morning just got cancelled. And she thought, wow, the kindness of the Lord to make that space available so that I could be with him. Now last time, Jesus took us to a vineyard uh, where we observed the vine and some branches and we looked at the idea of abiding in Christ. And we um, read that verse, If you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. Now today's story involves a beach and some fish and some words spoken around a campfire. So a perfect setting for today's story would be up at Bridport, perhaps enjoying some freshly caught fish by one of our people here. And as we sit on the beach and gaze into the fire, we listen to the words of Jesus. So when we listen to John 21 a little later, um, we'll need to activate our childlike imaginations to get into the story and hear what the Lord wants to say. It's a story that's another example of how Jesus is so grounded and earthed in his teaching. He comes into our world full of grace and truth in order to meet people in the context of everyday life and to show show them his way. Now, my laptop did a wonderful thing for me this week as I was preparing some slides I clicked on design ideas and this is what it came up with. A picture of a branch of a vine loaded with fruit and a picture of a basin and a towel and a servant washing a person's feet. Now what a theological statement, just in those two pictures linked together. Abiding in Christ results in a life of service. And it makes sense that as we remain in close connection with the Lord, as he lives in us and through us, that becomes visible in a life of loving service of others. Now, some of you may be thinking, I like this idea about abiding in Christ, but I'm a practical person. I don't know how this is going to work for me. You might find yourself praying something like this lord what does abiding look like in the life of an ordinary believer like me my life is messy and i carry in my heart my fair share of regrets and shame and pain does abiding actually work for a messy believer like me please show me well john 21 is one answer to that type of prayer it's a story that about Peter that illustrates the principles of abiding that we looked looked at in talk 3 we'll see the drama of grace as Jesus invites himself in to Peter's broken life and brings about an unexpected restoration and as a little bonus it's an absolute masterclass of how to gently come alongside and restore someone who is struggling Let's pray as we begin. Lord God, we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. We know that we depend on you to reveal what is true, to reveal what's true about us, to reveal what's true about the Lord Jesus, and to join the dots. We pray that you would help us today to hear what you have to say and respond with a heart full of faith and trust and obedience. Thank you for Peter and just the honesty of his journey. Please help us as we um, hear and see something of his um, restoration that happened in this chapter. And please teach us and connect it with our own lives 2,000 years later. Amen. Identity. This concept has become a fascination for our culture. A culture whose operating system is now one of hyper-individualism. The cultural air that we used to breathe was rugged individualism. Now it's self-expressive individualism. We had to look inside ourselves to discover who we are, and then our life's quest is to express that identity to the world. Notice the taglines of our culture, follow your dreams, be who you want to be, where there's a will, there's a way, or just you do you and I do me. Life has become a quest to make our mark on history. Now we love the freedom and the possibility of these sayings, but there's a nasty flip side to them. You see, if we have all of these opportunities, particularly in a country like like ours, to follow our dreams and to be who we want to be, what about when it doesn't work out? Or someone else does better? What does that make us? That's when the pressure builds, when we have failed to make our mark on history. Now, there is an alternative to this narrative of our culture, a different way to approach life, a different way to find your true identity. It's an approach that recognises how we're shaped and formed in the context of relationships, where the most important pronouns are not the I of self discovery, but the we of human relationship, and the you particularly of relationship with our Lord. Instead of trying to make our mark on history, we can just simply make it our goal to take our place in his story. It's a wonderful gift of grace. Imagine just simply taking your place, a place that God has prepared, a place that he intended when he created you, The wonderful reality of grace is that we have an identity, that we are given a place in relationship with the Lord and with his people. It's an identity that's not discovered within ourselves, but an identity that is gifted to us as the Lord speaks words of life and grace and truth to us. And the wonderful reality of grace is that it also gives us a purpose, a mission for our life. We are no longer under the pressure of trying to make our mark on history. Our joy is to simply live out the purpose for which we were created and for which we were saved. Now, Peter's story in John 21 is a story of a broken man being restored to his place and purpose through the grace of the Lord. But to truly appreciate it, we need to take a few minutes to set the scene. The vine and branches story that we looked at last time happened on the Thursday night before Jesus was crucified. Later that evening, Jesus was arrested and then taken for interrogation. And Peter followed, but hung at a distance, remaining outside. It was a cold evening, so people gathered around a fire to stay warm. And Peter was asked a question and challenged three times about his friendship with Jesus. You know that man, Jesus, don't you? You're one of his disciples, aren't you? I've seen you with him. You're one of them. Once, twice, three times, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. I do not belong with him. Now this wasn't just a one-off slip-up. This was disowning his friend three times in a row in the one night, despite Peter boldly saying that he would follow Jesus to the death. And Peter had regretted that moment ever since. Have you had something like that, that experience before? You've said something or done something And damage happens, and you cannot reverse the situation. A relationship is ruined, and it's because you have done it, or said it, and it's broken. Now, Peter was absolutely gutted and kicking himself. Why didn't I stick up for my friend Jesus? Three years following him and learning from him, and look how I've treated him. I'm such an idiot. I'm such a failure, there is now no hope for someone like me. So what did Peter do? He headed north, back to his village and back to his old fishing boat. And that's where we find him in our story in John 21, on a beach by the Lake of Galilee, a few weeks after his betrayal of Jesus. His friends are with him, They know Peter's heart is not doing well, but they don't really know how to help him. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And his friends say, well, we'll come with you, perhaps to keep him company, but perhaps to make sure he didn't jump off the boat and end his life. Peter was not in a good place. His heart was in a miserable mess. And this is where John 21 begins. Now some years ago I came across one of the Jesus Film resources, a dramatized version of John 21. So we'll be watching it together now. I found it so helpful in just seeing the nuances of Peter's encounter with Jesus. All of the words of the biblical text are spoken by either the narrator or the actors. So it's a faithful reading of God's word. And I expect many of us will find the visuals will help us to glimpse something of the drama of grace that is being played out in this scene. If you sense that some of the visuals might be distracting for you, feel free just to close your eyes and simply listen. It's a wonderful practice to ask the Spirit to guide your imagination as you hear the word of God spoken to you. As you listen or as you watch, be alert to the drama of what's going on, the tone of voice, the eye contact, the physical touch, how Jesus sets the scene. So Peter goes fishing to clear his head and to get away from it all, and the fish don't bite. Life can be like that, can't it? Something goes wrong, and then when we try to fix it, it gets even worse. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Peter's situation is a pretty good example of that. But notice this is exactly the place where Jesus comes and meets Peter. It's worth remembering this next time you feel that your life is falling apart. Perhaps the Lord is at work right in that messy moment, and he's preparing to meet you. And do a wonderful work of grace. Jesus comes to Peter and finds him. He doesn't wait for Peter to come to him. Jesus enters Peter's messy world in order to find him and restore him. Jesus reveals Peter reveals himself to Peter in ways that are unique and personal to him. The catch of fish. You may have heard the echoes of Luke 5 when Jesus first called Peter to a life of following him. At that time, Jesus initiated another miraculous catch of fish. After Peter and his friends had been fishing all night without catching a thing. And when Peter came to shore at that time, he had a profound sense of his sin. Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus surprised him with the words of grace. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. Perhaps this scene three years later was on the very same beach that that happened. And the chat around the fire. You would have heard and seen echoes of John 18 and those three questions that Peter was asked when he denied his relationship with Jesus. Jesus recreates the scene of Peter's betrayal and steps into Peter's most sensitive place and he does it with others watching on. Now he's not bringing up the past to judge Peter, nor is he seeking to publicly mock him. Jesus is stepping in to heal Peter's deep sensitive wound and to publicly restore him. Peter, I know you. I know what you've done, I love you, I welcome you, and even after everything that you've said and done, you still belong with me. Now, I don't know about your journey, but for most of us, we've lived through some difficult seasons. There are uh, some sensitive wounds inside each of us. Experiences that we perhaps may not have even shared with anyone else because they're too difficult, too painful, too dirty, too shameful. Jesus knows. He knows it all. And even knowing it, he comes to you, not to judge or condemn, but to find you and heal and restore. Trust him. When he comes to you, let him do that deep work that we cannot do for ourselves. Now let's see what happens for Peter. Jesus asked Peter a question, not once, not twice, not, but three times, do you love me? Peter, I know what happened those three, a few weeks ago when the pressure was on, but where are you today? At this moment, face to face with me, when we have an opportunity to put things right, do you love me? Now we know this question eventually hit home for for Peter. You know those questions when someone says, how are you? No, how are you? No, really, how are you? The first two answers that Peter gave were superficial, but the third one was the true answer. Notice how Peter responded that third time. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, you know all things Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus, my heart is a mystery. It's so contradictory. But you know all things, and you know that deep down, despite what I've done to contradict it, you know that I love you. Jesus is doing a deep work. And Peter knows that he can't fake it. He knows he cannot deny what happened a few weeks ago. And yet here is Jesus persistently seeking him and giving him an opportunity to say, yes, even though I've let you down. Even though I've sinned greatly, you know, you've placed a love for you in my heart. Now, this was an intensely personal conversation. And as we eavesdrop on it, 2,000 years later, it can feel like we're treading on holy ground. And yet this is happening in front of 10 other guys. Why didn't Jesus take Peter off to the side and work things out privately? Why did Jesus make this so public? It's because Jesus knows what we truly need. He knows that for Peter and for us to experience true healing and salvation, our identity needs to be restored and affirmed in the context of safe and loving relationships with the Lord and with others. So Jesus wants the other 10 guys to see it, to have no doubt in their minds that Peter's relationship with the Lord is restored. Imagine being one of them watching on and seeing what Jesus is about to do. Oh no, he is actually going there. He is going and opening up that wound that we know was there, but we were too scared to touch on. Peter is unpredictable. We're not sure if this is a good idea. Imagine watching on and seeing Jesus at work and seeing Jesus going there. And because he does, because he does open up that sensitive place, Peter is restored and his true identity is reaffirmed and it happens in front of many witnesses. Now, Jesus asks you and I the same question, particularly in those sensitive places. Do you love me? Are you willing for that love to be known publicly? How refreshing and settling for us to be able to say, yes, Jesus loves me and I love him and I have a place in God's family. Now, once Jesus restored Peter's identity, his place in God's family, he then gives him the dignity of a restored purpose for his life. Peter was to discover his purpose not by looking within, but by looking out as he started to serve others. Jesus gives him an instruction, feed my sheep. Notice how place and purpose are linked here. Peter's love for Jesus will be expressed in serving people. Do you love me? Well, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Well, take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. What does this look like? We can look to Jesus and learn. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He seeks to find the one who is lost. He lovingly guides the sheep that has strayed. He gathers sheep in. He provides and protects. He nurtures and guides. And around this campfire, Jesus entrusts his precious sheep to Peter. What an amazing restoration this is. Imagine what Peter would be thinking Just a few weeks ago, I turned my back on you and yet here and now you are entrusting me with the care and nurture of your precious sheep. Sometimes this is when we truly mature and grow up, when we are given a significant responsibility that is beyond our capacities and it jolts us to a humble and dependent maturity we are given one job feed my sheep have you watched those YouTube videos those epic fails of you only had one job well here is Peter His one job for the rest of his days feed and take care of the sheep that belong to the Lord Jesus So Peter comes to Jesus and finds him. Remember the echo of Luke 5 when Peter first responded to the call of Jesus? Well, here in John 21, he responds again. But it's a deeper layer of trust and commitment this time. He's not responding just out of impulse or adventure or bravado. He's responding out of deep humility and love for Jesus and a deep awareness of his brokenness. After all that I have done, he still has a place for me. Peter had found his place in the Jesus story, had discovered the Lord Jesus full of grace and truth. And Peter knows this incredible responsibility that he's been given can only be done in the strength and power of the Lord. In the story, we're given a flash forward of 30 years in the future. Peter had become a faithful disciple, a giant of the faith, a courageous leader of the early church. He spent the rest of his life travelling around Palestine and Turkey and Greece and Italy, proclaiming the gospel and encouraging disciples and leading God's people, feeding the sheep until those final weeks and days when he was arrested and he was imprisoned and then he was executed as a follower of the Lord Jesus. This was the moment, this breakfast on the beach when it all changed for Peter. Jesus came to him and found him and restored him and in response Peter came to Jesus and found him and took him in his word and followed him faithfully to death. Peter looked at the other disciples, wondering how things might pan out for them. And Jesus simplified it for him. Don't worry about them. Look this way. Look to me. Stay close. Follow me. I am with you. I am the way. Now, have you noticed how this has been an illustration of abiding in Christ? Peter was in a miserable mess. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Then Jesus invites himself into his life to heal and restore. Grace begins and establishes our connection with Jesus and sustains it. Peter found his place and purpose in in the Jesus story And finds joy and peace and life as he expresses his love for Jesus and learns to trust and obey. And as he follows him, living a life of loving service, he bears much fruit. His life became a meaningful mission. Peter started to follow Jesus with a humble, grace-filled heart. He was no longer following impulsively in his own strength. He was learning to abide, learning to be a branch, abiding in the vine. He had received the peace of the Lord that settled his troubled heart. And he was learning to serve in the power of the Lord and not in his own strength. Now just ponder this slide for a moment. There's a beautiful pattern and symmetry to it in this complex multi-layered narrative of Peter being uniquely restored from a devastating character failure, we see the faithful fingerprints of the Lord of grace. Jesus engaging with Peter in such a unique personalized way and yet we also see timeless principles of how the Lord always restores and rescues his people. This slide reminds me of how God is wonderfully unpredictable but never chaotic. Anything is possible and yet he always works in ways that are consistent with his unchanging character. The life of faith, the life of abiding has both these dimensions to it. We wake up each morning and we say, Lord, I do not know what will happen today. I do not know how you will organise the circumstances of my life. But I know that you are good, and I know that you are wise, and I know that you are able, and I know that you know me and love me and will provide for me and protect me. And so I can trust you, regardless of what happens and how all the details fall, I can trust you implicitly and completely. Grasping this and growing in this is the life of abiding partnership. Going and serving in the peace and the power of the Lord. Now we've been given the privilege of seeing Peter's story. It's now time to consider my story, your story, our story. What has the Lord stirred in you as we've talked this morning? What has he brought to mind from your own life, from your own hearts? Are you trying to make your mark on history? Or have you found your place and purpose in his story? Have you put aside your efforts to define and shape your identity as you see fit? Are you content? to simply receive the identity that the Lord gives you by grace? Has something gone on in your life that you feel puts you in the unforgivable and unlovable category? Well, Jesus comes to you right in that mess. He comes to you in order to find you. He says you might have a whole lot of stuff that's still messy and confusing, But trust me, let me into that space. Let me sort it out and follow me. Jesus comes to you in order to find you and give you a place in his story. And he does it by asking you a life-giving question. Do you love me? He might ask you this several times. He might ask you this in several different contexts because he wants to get to your true answer. He wants to get underneath the superficial and get right to the core. Do you love me? And he does this in order for you and I to be able to speak out that true identity that he plants there by his grace. Are you able to answer with the words of Peter? In the midst of your brokenness and failures and mess. Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus gives you a life-giving purpose. Find and feed my sheep. Now again, he might express this in several ways. And the details of how this might get expressed in your life are wonderfully diverse. But for all of us, our purpose is found as we serve the Lord, find our place in his body, and we serve his precious people, and we seek and find those who are lost. And then he makes it very, very simple. Follow me. One job. Follow me. It's incredibly clarifying. When you're in a situation and you think, I do not know the way forward, just pause, look to the Lord, and follow him, and he will show you the way. So Jesus gives us an invitation to a life of abiding partnership. And as I was thinking through what word to use, I landed on partnership, but I was... Very close to inventing a word. To make it crystal clear, we talked last time about a life of abiding fellowship. Well, this is a life of abiding fellowship. It's that simple. We just simply follow the way of the Lord. Each day of our lives, each relationship, each circumstance, we simplify to simply following him to go and serve and to receive the peace that comes from knowing him and to serve not in our own strength, but in the power that he provides. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you as the true and living God, the eternal one that is perfect love. And we thank you, it's a mystery to us, but we thank you that you created us in order that we might know your love and in order that we might know you and participate in some mysterious and beautiful way of the life that you have had from eternity. Thank you for this beautiful story of Peter. We resonate with a man of contradictions and a man that experience great failure, but we thank you that in this story we can see the Lord Jesus coming and finding Peter and restoring him to true life. We know that we can make our lives so complicated. Thank you that the life of following you is incredibly simple. It's challenging, it's not easy, but it's simple when we simply look to you and trust you and obey you and walk in your ways lord we know that there are sensitive places in our lives places that we lock off we want you to enter those spaces please help us help us to bring those things to the surface so that you can do that deep cleansing work that we cannot do for ourselves We pray that you would help us as a spiritual family together to be the type of place where broken people can come and meet Jesus and be truly set free. And we pray that you would help us to go and to serve, to not try to make our mark on history, but just to receive from you that wonderful identity that you give us by grace and then to go and serve in the peace and the power of the Lord. Help us to look to you this week and receive all that we need and to see you do your work in us and through us to bring you glory. Amen.